Welcome to the PaxX Podcast, available on iTunes. This is episode 33 of the show where we talk about everything to do with the passenger experience. I'm Mary Kirby, and I'm joined by my co-host, Max Flight. Max, how are you doing? Hi, Mary. I always look forward to our PaxX conversations, and we have some good topics lined up. Oh, we do. I'm excited about today's guest and some of our uh, some of our topics today. But before we get started, we'd like to thank eGate Solutions for sponsoring this week's podcast. We all want happy passengers. They buy more and they're likely to be more loyal to your airline. But delivering a positive passenger experience is hard when you're relying on legacy systems and manual processes. eGate Solutions provides the technology behind onboard services, connecting and automating every step of an airline's operations, from the warehouse to the the passenger. With eGate, you can spend less time and money on the process and more on optimizing the passenger experience, which really is what we're all in the business of delivering. Visit eGate Solutions online at www.egate-solutions.com or email them at info at egate-solutions to learn more. Now, it is my great pleasure to introduce our guest today. Cynthia Drescher is a professional travel journalist and more than a little obsessed with transportation. She's flown on aircraft fresh from the factory, scuba dived with sharks and shipwrecks, visited all seven continents, and still it's not enough for her. She's probably the person on your flight who's connected to the in-flight Wi-Fi to book yet another excursion. Thanks for joining us, Cynthia. Ah, Thank you for having me. (laughs) It's awesome to have you back. Uh, Welcome, Cynthia. Boy, scuba diving with sharks, eh? I I feel safer (laughs) in a speeding tube at high altitudes, but that's just me. I love sharks. I mean, <laughs> I'm definitely the person who flies around the world just to um, get in the water and, uh, you know, h- hang out with like specific species of sharks. I'm that weirdo. Uh, oh, my God. Better you than me. A true adventurer. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a look at some of the PaxX news stories making headlines. First, Cynthia has penned a piece for Condé Nast Traveler about Singapore Airlines' new Airbus A350-900 after experiencing it herself on a flight from the Airbus factory in Toulouse to Singapore. Cynthia, what was the passenger experience like on board? Well, this was, of course, the delivery flight. So there were no, it was not revenue. There were no regular passengers on board. And I was lucky to be one of the few who were not, you know, with Airbus or with Singapore Airlines. And the plane can hold, you know, over like around 230 passengers, and there are about 85 to 90 of us on board. So it wasn't, you know, extremely light, but it wasn't um, completely full either. But everything was working. It had obviously just rolled out rolled out of the factory, but the Wi-Fi was working. Um, the only thing that was a little bit off was that Airbus had catered the flight. So instead of the typical Singapore Airlines choices of, would you like Dom Perignon or Krug champagne? And would you like, you know, Koi Tao soup or lobster thermidor? It was instead, you know... <laughs> foie gras sandwiches from Airbus and crepes and and a little bit of French influence and everything. (laughs) But aside from that, uh, just speaking on the experience of flying the A350, it is um, entirely, the differences are entirely noticeable. Hmm. And as I'm sure you know, it's six inches wider than the 787 with more vertical walls. So when you walk on board and you have a, your first glimpse of the cabin, whether that's business class, which is, which is like almost atrium-like because there's no center overhead bins in, in business class, 
or premium economy or economy, it immediately feels spacious to you. And then once you have your seat, you realize that you don't have to squish your shoulders in. There's much more shoulder space that comes across from having this extra width. And of course, that's why they call the A350 the uh, extra wide body XWB. Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting because more and more passengers are realizing there is quite a difference and, and that an inch makes that difference. Um, you know, we have uh, on, the, on the network a, a piece written by John Walton, and this must have been, gosh, a year and a half ago, um, about the 787 and just how tight it is in economy class. And it remains um, always, every day within the top 10 of the articles read on Runway Girl because people are finding this piece after flying the 787 and complaining about their experience because it is just too tight. So it seems like Airbus has a real advantage with this additional uh, diameter. Is, is it becoming clearer uh, as, as people are, are more social and mobile and, and discussing it? Do you think it's becoming clearer now to passengers that there really is a difference, Cynthia? Well, Singapore Airlines is the fifth airline to take delivery of the A350. So now that you have the planes out there flying around, you know, conducting the regular revenue flights on scheduled routes. You're seeing the response on social media. Mm-hmm. And there was something, there was a fact that Singapore Airlines brought up the other day that every day they're getting, oh, I don't remember the exact number, but it was definitely over a thousand responses um, just on their Twitter network, Twitter network, on their Twitter feed of people who are commenting on their enjoyment of the A380 product. So they're now expecting to, you know, get lots of feedback on the A350 since it's come out. But like I said, when you walk on board, the first thing you'll notice is the space. And that comes across also very well in photos. So it's a much more photogenic plane. So I think you'll see a lot more um, focus on this coming across on Instagram, (laughs) that people will be Instagramming instead of just selfies in their seats, more (laughs) the plane and how the actual aircraft figures into their experience. Hmm. Interesting. Cynthia, how about the environmental controls? Now, this plane has pressurization to a lower altitude, I guess, and uh, higher humidity, things like that. Were you able to experience kind of the effects of uh, that kind of control? Yeah, so all as I said, all the systems were working, and it has the um, the pressurization, which is now at 6,000 feet instead of the usual 8,000 feet. And the 787 also features that. Yes. But the A350 also has full humidification. Uh, there's an air management system that helps to regulate the temperature on board, so it's no, it's not, you know, cold sweats and <laughs> reaching for a blanket halfway through the flight <laughs> and, you know, fanning yourself through the other half. And air throughout the cabin is renewed every two to three minutes through that. So you've got people, sne- oh, there was this guy, right, who was hacking, coughing like the whole time, like smokers cough. And he was only two rows up for me. And at first I was kind of bothered. I was like, oh my gosh, I am flying from Toulouse to Singapore. And this guy's like, you know, pretty close to me. I better not get sick off this flight. Huh. But then I reminded myself, wait, 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 wait. I don't think it, his germs will quite have the time to reach me, but you know, since, <laughs> <laughs> since the air is being, you know, constantly renewed, and I was like, okay, I can relax now. I can go to sleep. I don't have to wear a face mask. <laughs> Right. Oh, I like the sound of that. And of course, that's also important for the crew as well, because, and I know we don't talk about it uh, enough, but 
there is a contingent, particularly within, you know, the flight attendants unions that are, are really um, concerned about the cabin air. You know, and some of the studies that have come out about some of the toxicity of, of, of cabin air and being exposed to it, you know, for, for really lengthy periods of time over one's lifetime. And, um, yeah, I wonder if that, too, will be a real benefit for crew in terms of, uh, you know, uh, their their health and well-being. Well, and with this, with Singapore Airlines especially, they're going to be the launch customer and currently are the only customer for the variant, the, ex, the ultra-long-range variant, which mm-hmm. will allow them to renew services nonstop from Singapore to Los Angeles and Newark. And then they announced a third city, but they haven't quite said exactly where that is yet in the U.S. But that won't be till 2018. And I was talking with a few Singapore girls who are the flight attendants for Singapore Airlines. And I was talking with one who's former uh, A340-500. So she did the um, the old long hauls that were discontinued a couple years ago. And she was saying how much she enjoyed it for the three days of rest that they would get in New York (laughs) on the flight. (sighs) But she was ravaged. You know, her health was constantly um, ravaged by the long flying time and being in close proximity to passengers. And so she would use those three days. The first day she would just kind of take care of herself and then she would go out and get fresh air and kind of make sure that she was good to go back. And it was just um, quite stressful, I suppose, for her. So she was saying how much she was looking forward to the A350 XWB ULR coming out because um, she looks forward to renewing the the routes. Hmm. Ah. Yeah, that's interesting. We talk about the passenger experience so much and not so much about the crew experience, but the crew experience affects the passenger experience. Yeah, absolutely. And the Singapore girls are, are quite, you know, they're expected to be, um, to know what you want before you want it, you know, to anticipate everything. So they have to be at the, their tip-top condition. <laughs> yes, yes. There's nothing like the uh, the Singapore flight attendant experience, which I can attest to firsthand. Oh. But uh, why don't we press on? Uh, I know we talk a lot about hard product, things like whether seats are comfortable or the connectivity is working well, but soft product like amenity kits and borrowed salt and pepper shakers, other souvenirs, they can prove important even after a flight. So Cynthia, in a recent article, you make the case for why in-flight pajamas still matter. What was your rationale? Well, you hear so much these days about how airlines are taking everything away from the passenger, right? They're slicing inches off the seats in economy and they're taking your free cookies away. <laughs> and they're making you pay extra for everything. And although those headlines do go well on the internet, you know, people will always click on those. They always want to read about how they're being victimized. There is this other side of... Um, the, the other side is that airlines are actually giving us more than they've ever given us in terms of low fares, of course, because if you, you know, historically, if you compare it to the fares back in the, you know, 1950s, we have a much better deal. But also, back in the day, the quote-unquote glamorous, you know, days of, <laughs> of travel of, of the early jet age, there were no lie-flat seats. There were a sort of amenity kits, I guess. Like they would come around with trays of things that they would, you know, comfort items. But there were no life flat seats. There was no um, personalized dietary meals. There was none of that. You got you got a carved steak, you know, in front of you, and that was that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
So I decided to uh, write a little bit about one of my favorite amenities, which is uh, which are airline pajamas. Because who talks about those? You know, they're kind of a throwaway item that premium passengers tend to take for granted. But over this last year, we've seen them kind of coming back into fashion. American Airlines, for example, and Delta just re- like introduced them for their new quote-unquote flagship routes to Sydney, Australia. Interesting. Now, you know, I'm, I'm one of these individuals that when I'm in the back of the bus and I am going through first class or business class or whatnot uh, to deplane, and I see these little amenity kits all laying around, I'm that person who's very tempted to snatch those ones up, those amenity kits that are unused, right? Is this the same mentality? And would I be, uh, would it be a very shameful act to grab some pajamas that people are leaving behind, Cynthia? I, I think there's a line, like an invisible line. <laughs> amenity kits, I'll, I'll grab them myself. Believe me, if they're the special edition ones and I'm in economy and I'm on my way out, oh yeah, yoink, I'm taking this. But uh, pajamas are a much more personal item. And you're not, you know, you can't always be sure unless they're still wrapped in plastic if someone's worn them or wiped their nose on them. You know, you don't know what's happened there. All right, I'll be good. Yeah, I was just talking to a friend who just flew British Airways first class for the first time. It was her first time ever in first class. And it was like a last minute award booking because she desperately needed to get back to the States. So the only thing that was available was first class, of course, you know. So she enjoyed her trip and she wore the pajamas. And I asked her later if she had kept them. And she said, it never even occurred to her that you would be allowed to keep them. Oh, Approaching that, you know, as an usually flying an economy, thinking that, you know, none of this really belongs to her and she's kind of borrowing, borrowing the the pajamas. (laughs) That's interesting. Have you ever kept any sets? I actually kept a, a, a Qatar Airways um, pajamas. I actually, uh, and I really enjoyed it. They're very comfortable. You know, they, they're really, and, and as your piece um, in Condé Nast Traveler suggests, I mean, these are not, you know, the hospital scrub type uh, jammies. They're really, the, the quality of the material is there, isn't it? Yeah, I agree with you. Qatar Airways has excellent, like they're a charcoal jersey mm-hmm. and um, they have quite a nice high collar that you can button and the drawstring pants are excellent for use, you know, in your destination if you just need loungewear. But one of my favorites is Cathay Pacific's pajamas. They used to be Shanghai Tang and you, some people have mourned the loss of Shanghai Tang pajamas, but they've actually upgraded them using shirting specialist PYE, which is a Hong Kong and China-based company. And they're now 100% organic cotton. And they're based on the traditional design of the Mao suit, which is another that like Mandarin color, very, um, it's quite covering, (laughs) it's quite modest. But when you're sleeping on the plane and you're twisting around and (laughs) you're getting in all kinds of positions, you need that extra, the extra fabric. The coverage. (laughs) But it's not billowy. It's not tent-like. They've used this complementary amenity as a showpiece of sorts for traditional Hong Kong tailoring. So they fit quite well. Uh, They're beautiful. You definitely want to take them with you off the plane and use them in the future. And it's just uh, something that you absolutely do not expect to find on on, on an airplane. So I'm thinking of the practical aspects of this. So I assume that these the sleepwear replaces at least 
some of the clothing you came with? Well, I've now if I know that I'm traveling in a premium class that offers pajamas, I won't even pack pajamas now. <laughs> I rely on the on the in, on the airline pajamas. So, it can I don't know that people would get rid of any of their clothing, you know, in favor of airline pajamas unless they're as hardcore as I am. But uh, it offers comfort and an option to get out of, you know, sweaty or tight or or formal, like more professional clothing in a in a moment when you might not have access to the rest of your clothes. So if you've checked your bags or you just don't want to bother with the organization of your carry-on, this is um, an another option. See, what I was envisioning was a long queue at the lab at the end of the flight while everybody's trying to get in there and uh, get back into their street clothes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I I, um, I kind of foresee that. So uh, right before breakfast is served, which is usually about two hours ahead of landing, when they turn on the lights to wake you up, I make a dash for the lavatory. <laughs> I, have, I have my clothes ready. You're first in. <laughs> but I have, I have been known to wear the pajamas out into the city and not change into my street clothes again. They're that nice, huh? Or, or oh, are you just forgetful? <laughs> there's no shame in her game. <laughs> okay, yeah. uh, some of them look more pajamasy, like the Emirates pair, which has kind of like harem pants. I don't know, like uh, kind of sweatpantsy harem pants. Those look pajama-y. But Etihad Airways, their set is black with a nice zip-up collar, and it's very, it's very straight. You know, it's not baggy at all. So that one I can get away with wearing on public transportation or or if I'm taking a cab straight to the hotel, I'm cool with it. But I imagine they have promotional value if the customers take them with them and use them in other places. I mean, I have a uh, amenity bag that I got from United at least 20, if not 25 years ago, a small, nice leather bag that's just, it's held up perfectly well. I use it on pretty much every trip I take. And there's that logo right on it. And you're looking at that every time, right? So right. you're unconsciously reminded of that airline. And that's, I mean, they know how it works. They're not stupid when it comes to manufacturing and, and putting these products out for their premium classes. They want your business again. Sure. All right. Well, let's talk about the fact that the month of March is Women's History Month. And we recently celebrated International Women's Day on March 8th. Now, some airlines around the world have marked the occasion with all women uh, crewed flights. I know Air India did. And there's uh, still much work to be done, really, to ensure that women gain parity, not only in the management ranks, but also in the C-suite and on airline boards. Mary, what do you think is the state of play for gender parity in aerospace? I would have to say that sadly it is not where it should be, uh, guys. It's it's really quite unfortunate. I think there's been some wonderful images, and and I and I'm in the camp that believes uh, content and and imagery and symbols matter. And so um, it's been wonderful to see uh, this month, uh, you know, all of the the uh, women pilots uh, being celebrated at the various airlines and these uh, all women crewed flights, and, and they're fabulous and they're great photo ops. But when you get down to the hard numbers as to where things are at in the industry, it's a little bit uh, more disconcerting. You know, over the last 30 years, there truly has been 
from the pilot perspective, very little improvement in the percentage of women flying as airline pilots. And it, it remains at a kind of very sad 5% on average. Now, some countries are doing better. Interestingly, India uh, is, is getting close to 15% from my understanding. So some of these countries that are really focused on, on bringing women into the fold um, uh, are, are seeing progress. But, but on average, it's about 5%. And, you know, a lot of folks have a lot of opinions as to why that is, um, but I will tell you this. It's a story that I told last year when I, I spoke at a, a CAPA conference in Las Vegas. They asked me to participate in a panel about how to attract women to aviation. And, uh, you know, I told a story about uh, when I first started out as an aviation journalist, which is nearly 18 years ago now, and one of my first editors who was, uh, who was a safety expert um, and an aviator, um, I remember him saying early on when I started my, my, my career um, that he believed that women should not become pilots because they get a monthly period. Oh, no. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. So when people say to me, this is not an issue and there's not sexism within the industry and it's just because women aren't in, I say, you know what? Actually, that's absolutely false because my very first introduction to this industry was one where it was, uh, you know, women were even suggested as, as not being, you know, worthy of the cockpit. So I think there's a, a lot of, uh, of, of very positive things that are being done, but I think we can't ignore the fact that there's still a, a level of sexism in this male-dominated industry. And we, we just posted a, a story yesterday about um, some of the work that some of these carriers are doing, Lufthansa specifically, um, to, to bring more women into uh, its manage, management ranks. And uh, the, the carrier has made some goals for itself, which I think is impressive in its own right. Um, it's trying to increase the percentage of women in management by 30% by 2020. Now, some would argue that that's not enough, but they have at least have a stated goal, which I think is important. Um, and they, they have actually made uh, some real improvements in terms of uh, their supervisory board, which is now 30, has met that 30% target. And women now make up 40% of the executive board, which is actually rather impressive because especially when you look at where things stand in the United States, which is, which is where I'm based, um, the U.S. has a pretty abysmal sort of standing when it comes to uh, C-suite uh, managers uh, that are women. And, and so there's a tremendous amount of work to be done. And I think that uh, uh, on March 8th, uh, this uh, inter- International Women's Day, the focus was um, gender parity. And I think it was just so appropriate because it's really time. We desperately need it. Uh, Cynthia, you're a woman. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this issue? Well, I want to say that guy. <laughs> guy who made the period comment he can't uh-huh. talk unless he's actually experienced period oh, amen so i don't want to hear about it unless uh-huh. he actually can sympathize <laughs> so but the when you brought up lufthansa my first thought was uh this time that i walked into the business class the lufthansa business class lounge jfk airport and on the left hand right after you entered was this massive print of a beautiful photograph that lufthansa had commissioned and it was the flight deck and in it were these two blonde women sitting in the seats and they're actual a380 captains and their sisters at lufthansa nice. wow and you didn't you wouldn't have learned you know it's not <laughs> 
there wasn't a plaque on it that said, we employ women or your flight might be crewed by women. It was just a photo just sitting there and you had to dig a little bit to find out the actual details of the photo, which I did, of course. And um, it's just nice to see something like that when, when I'm walking into a lounge and I'm, you know, maybe the only female there. Yeah. Subtle yeah. things like that can have a big impact, particularly on uh, on younger girls who are impressed by those things. I mean, I'm reminded of the situation that uh, in part caused Linda Meeks to form the Girls with Wings organization when she was sitting in a cockpit and passengers were uh, boarding the plane and she heard a little girl's voice say uh, something like, Mommy, there's a girl in the cockpit. And then she heard her mother's voice come back with, no, that can't be, girls can't be pilots. Oh. Things like that really kind of, uh, kind of hit home. But I think that there are a couple of things that are, that are important. One is priming the pipeline. And that kind of goes to the conversation about STEM. The other thing I think is building the proper organizational culture in airlines and in aviation companies. And I think that's done in a couple of ways. There has to be executive commitment to parity, to diversity, but the the units, the departments need to be need to be held accountable. They also need to think of diversity as really being a competitive advantage. I mean, if you build a company and everybody is the same type and thinks the same way, that's a competitive disadvantage. So bringing more women in, bringing in uh, other other minorities, other diversity groups, I think it's just it's it's a good business decision besides being the right thing to do. Yeah. Well, I wanted to note that there's actually an airline, a female airline CEO that I bet none of you know. Oh. She is, her name's Edie Rodriguez, and she is the CEO of Crystal Cruise Line, or Crystal Cruises. And the cruise line has expanded massively in the last year and and announced more to come, like river cruise ships. It's gone from two ships to now... Um, a river cruise line and uh, an expedition like luxury yachts and there's more to come but they already have a 777-200LR and um, a 787 to come and it's under Crystal Luxury Air. She's the head of that and they're going to get other private jets. They're going to get a a Global Express and let's see an AC-1319 I think is the other one if they don't already have it. So that's four planes in in their little luxury airline that's tied to the cruise line. But Edie Rodriguez, I would say she's um, she's she's been an inspiration to me for several years because she used to head up the Cruise Lines International Association, CLIA, which is like um, the IATA, like the cruise line version of IATA. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Sounds like she would make a great profile on our Lean Into Aviation platform, Cynthia. Yeah, there you go. Now they're developing their airline. Yeah, you know, I, you know, it's um, it's exciting. You know, we whenever uh, whenever I hear that a woman has made it to the C level, uh, the C suite, as they say, it's always impressive. And of course, we have to highlight uh, EasyJet's Carolyn McCall, who uh, is is going gangbusters, of course, in Europe, and um, and I think uh, deserves a lot of credit for for the tremendous success that they are enjoying over there, and also the fact that Ryanair um, has changed 
changed its tune over the last couple years and uh, has worked to try and improve the passenger experience after really taking its its passenger experience to to the bottom of the barrel, uh, <laughs> the lowest common denominator. Uh, you know, EasyJet, run by Carolyn McCall, really uh, gave some serious competition to Ryanair, and they've they've changed their tune. And so I think that there are some wonderful examples out there of women leaders in aviation that should be celebrated. And I and I think that there's a huge opportunity to uh, to see more of the same. But uh, uh, unfortunately, there's issues not only in terms of uh, uh, gender parity and equity, um, but there's also some everyday sexism that is still pretty prevalent in the aviation industry. I don't know if you guys have ever witnessed that, but I would say as an example, um, and, and taking us back to kind of a German operator, but Condor offers uh, Playboy magazine, or at least it did as of about six months ago, in its business class cabins. Have you ever witnessed mm. that? Yeah. And I'm just like, you know, to, to me, that's kind of a hashtag everyday sexism issue, because if you are going to hand out magazines with naked women, it seems really vastly you know, unfair not to do the same for your women passengers and hand out Playgirl. What do you think, Max? Uh, I, yeah. I, I think we're, I like to think that we're beyond the point where we wouldn't be handing out either of those. But uh, uh, yeah, it, it's, your point is valid though, that it's, there isn't parity there. It's not, right. it's not even. Um, some of this can be cultural and sometimes that makes the conversation a, a little bit more difficult. Certainly some cultures are farther along in terms of uh, women's rights than other cultures. So, I mean, you have that effect, too. It's not an excuse, but it's it's out there. Yeah. Well, with the Playboy magazines, the issue that I, I <laughs> quite remember picking up and holding in my hands on a Condor plane was uh, a special Germany Oktoberfest edition. Oh. So I wonder if that was... <laughs> If they regularly stock it or if they just ordered that edition specifically for that month. But, you know, Playboy now has also changed. There's no nudity. So, you know, if they if they were to stock it now, I wouldn't. It's it's quite a different thing. So now when we say, you know, it's all about the articles, we're (laughs) we're to be believed, right? Well, actually, that and the fact that it actually reads almost like a woman's magazine. (laughs) So, yeah, it's probably more acceptable. But, yeah, it's just interesting. It's interesting to see it. But, um, you know, even on social media, um, you know, I would say that the kind of aviation geek hashtag avgeek community of which we're all a part of um, is still heavily male. Sure. Um, And I think that, you know, I I have to say personally, it would be just so wonderful to see more women uh, uh, get excited about this industry. And I think uh, doing everything we possibly can uh, is 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 the way forward. Do you know there is? I think the country with the largest amount of a uh, female avgeek population is Japan. Really? They actually have a term for female plane spotters, and if I googled around, I could find it. And I've used it in the past when I've been in Tokyo and Osaka, and I've seen groups of women up on the terraces at the airports who, you know, aren't there just to wait for friends. They're up there, you know, talking with each other about the planes arriving and taking photos. And and it's, um, it's you know, it goes hand in hand with Japan's kind of transportation-obsessed culture. Hmm, interesting. That is interesting. I'm going to have to find that and start using that hashtag. Yeah, there you go. Yay! <laughs> 
Well, unfortunately, we're rapidly coming to a close here. Um, I want to thank our listeners. And remember, you can find us online at RunwayGirlNetwork.com and on iTunes. And be sure to follow all the Runway Girl Network activity on Twitter at at RunwayGirl. And remember to use the PaxX hashtag when tweeting about the passenger experience. Join in the conversation. We also have a hashtag, Lean Into Aviation, which uh, hopes to to, – we profile women in the aviation industry. We're trying to promote diversity within the industry industry and get uh, and women excited about this uh, very exciting space. I'd like to reiterate our thanks to our sponsor, eGate Solutions, and I'd like to thank Cynthia as, for being our guest. Cynthia, where can listeners find you at? You can find me on Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram <laughs> as at JetSetCD. You're a Snapchatter. I am definitely, I am a, <laughs> a voracious Snapchatter. <laughs> very ah. good. All right. Thank you, Cynthia. And we'll ask all of you to join us again next time as we talk about the passenger experience on the PaxX podcast. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.